Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. <laughs> Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like, I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another comic-stacular episode of Fanholes Comic Books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am joined by my fellow comic book enthusiast. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, this is Justin. Cool. So we are here tonight. There's going to be a bit of preamble before we get to the nitty gritty of what we're here to discuss, which is going to be a set of Archie comic books. I know Justin was kind of jonesing to talk about some Archie comics, and we thought maybe we'd kind of make this a preliminary. Like, we're not quite sure. I, we, we hope this drops around the point when the CW is about to air the new television series Riverdale, which is also based on Archie Comics. So basically we picked some kind of modern Archie Comics, or at least for us, fairly modern Archie Comics that we wanted to take a look at. And, you know, of course this is... One is a miniseries, it's Archie vs. Predator, that was a four-issue miniseries that was released to completion in 2015. And then the other thing that we were kind of interested in and intrigued by was the third volume, the new volume, of Betty and Veronica. And as of this recording, there's only a single issue out. Probably by the time we release this, maybe they'll be on issue two. But we, those were the comics we had intended to look over and kind of, you know, review and, and give our thoughts on and everything like that. But I think also we, we kind of wanted to give a little bit of a preamble before we did that. I mean, partly because this is a tie into Riverdale. So I did mention to Justin that there actually is a trailer out there for the pilot episode of Riverdale. So I did have him watch this right before we started the show. And just to get kind of like, I guess, our thoughts. And, and, and this kind of ties into a lot of the modern takes that they're going with, a lot of the hooks that they're going with for these current-day Archie comics, kind of how they, they tend to abandon the, the wholesome nature of Archie and kind of focus on either the more tawdry or, or kind of you know, tweak it so that it, it has this kind of interesting hook for people to check it out other than what they know of Archie. And I think that's kind of true of, of this trailer that, it, you know, has been released up to this point. From a distance, it presents itself like so many other small towns all over the world. 
safe, decent, innocent. Are you scared, Jason? Get closer, though. And you start seeing the shadows underneath. Oh my god, Jason. I need to be able to talk about what happened with someone. We heard what we heard, and afterwards, we didn't do anything. How could we explain why we were together? I have this fantasy of us as a power couple. I'm asking you now if you love me or do. Do I shouldn't do this? I definitely shouldn't do this. I'm in the mood for chaos. There will be a reckoning. And maybe that reckoning is me. What happened? I've changed. Everything's changed. You're a little more dangerous than you look. You have no idea. But I'm kind of curious, Justin, like you just watched this trailer. So you you kind of indicated you had plenty of ammunition to to move forward on this kind of type of preamble. So I guess I, I just kind of start off with like, what, what did you think of this Riverdale trailer? I'm really sad right now. Like, <laughs> I mean, you and I have been following like the news on this show ever since it was announced, like the right, the writers and producers and the, the casting we've, we both kind of like grumbled a little bit of things. So like to finally see this, I'm, I'm just like, uh, I'm like, I'll still watch it because I love Archie stuff. And like, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do this show is because we don't show enough love for Archie on this show. Like you and I are pretty much the only two like Archie fans, but yeah, seeing this trailer, I'm just like, like, I don't even know what to say. Like it, it's, it's like they took the Archie characters and tweaked them and changed some things. And now they're like in some kind of like, you know, dark shadows, Twin Peaks, like American Gothic, like soap opera thing, and like that's, you know, that's not what I want to see. I mean, I, I get that it's on the CW, and it needs to be like, you know, like it's for the kids, and it's got to have drama, and it's got to have like, you know, tawdry stuff, and like, you know, whoever's like doing drugs, and whoever's like having sex, and whoever's like cheating on whoever, and you know, Moose is on like steroids, and like all this wacky stuff. I'm like, I don't want to like see that stuff. You know, uh, I read an interview from one of the writers on CBR, and he was, like, professing his love for Archie, and he was like, you know, basically he said growing up he loved uh, Archie because Riverdale was a place he wanted to live. Like, he, he loved the characters. Like, he wanted to go to school with Archie and Jughead. Like, he, you know, he wanted to, like, hang out with, like, Betty and Veronica, and, you know, it was such a, a fun, happy, and safe place. But then, like, what I don't get is... He makes this show, and, like, he doesn't put any of that stuff in this. And, you know, like I said, I, I get that you want to, like, update it and stuff, but, like, it doesn't – I mean, basically, you've, like, basically turned your back on the things you said you liked about it, and you've put in, like, all this, like, crappy Hollywood stuff. I mean, it's one thing from, like, you know, Gene Roddenberry used to have this edict that, like, none of the cast could have interpersonal, like – conflicts on next generation and you know the writers were like felt really hamstring well that's you know the the archie characters they can have conflict without it being like all adult and tawdry and kind of like sleazy like i don't want to see that 
This was was this on the CBR interview? Was that the guy Roberto E. Sagasa? Like, because I think they they interviewed him with Luke Perry and the actor who plays Jughead and the actress who plays Cheryl Blossom. And like, she kind of described herself as like the villain of season one, which I I found kind of interesting. And then and then you know they you know it, it was interesting because the actor who played Jughead, I think. I don't know that he was trying to do damage control, but it was like one of those things where he's like, you know, he, he was trying to relate to maybe the the audience he knew he was he was performing for or was talking to where he was kind of like, look, dudes, like I know like people mess with your comics, man. And you 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 flip flip out with all this shit, you know, like because because they're changing stuff. But he's like, dude, this is still going to be Archie. Like, you know, and basically he's in his, you know, then he switches to his, you know, salesman mode where he's like, this is going to be some good shit, man. Like you guys, you know, check it out, you know, and that kind of thing. But but he did try to sort of, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's like, it might not be exactly what you want, but, you know, don't don't flip out. Like, don't abandon us because it's not exactly what you expect from Archie and that kind of thing. And I think like Luke Perry and, and the writer were both kind of like, well, you know, since it's not what you expect, it's going to be awesome. You know, they're still doing they're still doing the the Hollywood pitch and yeah. stuff, you know, to the to the to the layman, you know, and, and, and maybe they don't fully get that they're i mean they they know they're at comic-con but they don't I, I i think the guy who played jughead had a little more like sort of sense of his surroundings where he's kind of like okay comic-con people like we get that you like comics so we're not shitting on the comic like this is actually still gonna be cool you know like that kind of thing but I, I i totally see what you're saying because i didn't i didn't expect it to i mean the the basic gist of that trailer is it starts with a murder mystery and and then they further go on to explain that like Veronica Lodge is like the new mystery girl in town and like nobody really knows what her deal is and I I just kind of went okay so and you know that that's how the writer kind of set it up and and this is the same gentleman who wrote Afterlife with Archie which we have talked about on Fanhol's podcast before so so I think I think it comes from that kind of mindset you know the the kind of oh how can we get people to pay attention to archie like how can we make archie quote-unquote relevant again you know like that kind of mindset it's like oh well we can we can pair him up with zombies because everybody loves the walking dead like let's do afterlife with archie you know and, and and i think in this sense it was like i think they tried to pitch this as a movie and it didn't take off and then they tried to pitch it as a tv show with fox and that didn't really take off and it's like they they you know basically it's kind of like what you're saying like they kind of had to keep making concessions and and wheeling and dealing and it's like well how can we get this project off the ground and it's like okay well you know cw is not sold on archie as it is like a wholesome town with like hijinks and teen stuff and 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 saved by the bell wackiness or, or whatever you want to equate it to but then you start throwing in okay well there's a mystery it's like why is there a mystery because someone got murdered and they, they gotta go Ooh, that's very interesting tell us more you know and then the more you kind of tweak it and revise it you know by by the time you get all said and done with it, it yeah it, it becomes semi unrecognizable as yeah or or i guess i i guess what they're trying to say is these are still the recognizable archie characters but in this this kind of strange kind of dynamic you know where it's like oh we're just putting them in a totally different situation and seeing how they react i think that's their sales pitch you know and 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 i think it would be true of some of the comics where 
we're about to discuss, you know, tonight. Yeah. Well, well, Jughead, will he have, like, the hat, the beanie? Oh, yeah. He's yes? definitely going to have it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We have a dog named Hot Dog. We hope. <laughs> there, there's definitely going to be a hot dog this season. Okay. It might not be exactly what you expect. All right. Interesting. As okay. with many things about this I'm into show. that. It may not be exactly okay. what yeah, but, you but expect. But there'll be, be a hot dog, and he'll cool. be a, a white shaggy dog. Very awesome. Very awesome. And what you guys have like all said about the show going into this is that it's not like the American pure you know, apple pie comic book we yeah. know. Yeah. It's going to be a little more subversive, a little darker. And you yeah. wrote you know, Afterlife with Archie, Shilling yes. Adventures of Sabrina, one of my favorite comics. Uh, so how exactly do you go dark while not, still making it Archie? Yeah, you, uh, partly it's being true to the characters from the comic books and just putting them in darker situations and seeing how they respond. Uh, but, but you know what, it really is does live in the tension between kind of the all-American, kind of more innocent, more wholesome Archie that, that people yeah. remember from buying the Digest in the supermarket and the kind of darker Twin Peaks, uh, Blue Velvet mm -hmm. uh, uh, kind of thing. And it's the tension between those two where I think is the sweet sweet spot for the it, show. And at the same time, he services it with really funny dialogue. Really? I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of great humor in the dialogue, and that, yeah, again, it's striking that balance, yeah. and that's what he does it, so well. You know, it, it, uh, coming from a childhood filled with comic books, when you hear dark and edgy take, it can kind of be a little nerve-wracking. Uh -huh. Like, I, I, I was a very incendiary comic book fan myself, <laughs> and when my, when my properties were messed with, it used to... It used to tear me up. And yeah. I think the cool thing about the Archie universe is that there's so many universes within Archie. Uh -huh. um, you know, now we have Afterlife in which zombies take over and the Punisher has visited Archie. You know? <laughs> yes. so, I really want that crossover oh, with, no, with the Punisher. John Bernthal. So, Bernthal. Show. so Put time. it out there. Put it out there. So the yeah. good thing is, is that... The, the fans of Archie Comics are already primed for a dialogue mm -hmm. with a darker, more subversive kind of universe. And with the film noir elements, uh, I don't know if you've seen, ever seen the movie uh, Brick. Yes. But it's, I mean, we're, we're, we're th those are the kind of cues that we're taking heavily from. And I, 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 think, it's gonna, I think the fans are going to eat this up. They're going to absolutely love oh. it. But I, I know you were kind of jonesing because Tony had asked us a question, you know, when we were off air one night. And this was something that you kind of were ha struggling to to explain to him but i mean and it was a genuine question he wasn't trying to be like dude why are you fuckers like archie man <laughs> yeah. like he wasn't trying to be like a dick about it he was just trying to be like hey you know i'm, I'm genuinely curious like he, he was like what is you know can you sum up you know what is the appeal of archie and i i mean for for the listeners who obviously were not a fly on the wall while we we're having this off-air conversation, I can just tell them that, you know, my kind of simplistic take on it is, is kind of how I pitched it before. I mean, I, I basically say to people that the attraction of Archie has its roots in kind of any kind of teen, you know, entertainment, I guess, you know, like whether it's, I mean, for me, I point to things like Saved by the Bell, but then you've got like all the, the Mickey Rooney things that the Archie comics were inspired by in the first place, you know, like you've got all these kind of different generational versions of, you know, that kind of popular entertainment, you know, whether you want to point to like Dawson Leary as choosing between, you know, Jen Lindley and, and, uh, freaking uh, uh, 
God, Joey, you know, like, I'm trying to remember their names now, but, you know, like, basically, it's the same thing, it's the whole Betty Veronica complex, you know, you, you've got these two, you know, Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy or whatever, and so in that sense, like, you, you're obviously, you know, reading something because there are these very attractive ladies in it, so there's that aspect of it, even if you are uh, a male, you know, like, where you're like, oh, this is for girls and shit, it's like, no, not really, because, like, you, you are a young man, you're a teenager, you have your, your own, you know, sort of desires and needs, and I think, you know, characters like Betty and Veronica, they kind of, you know, uh, it, it, it wasn't as tawdry as it's been, but, I mean, I, I, I think you could, you could sort of argue that there is this wholesomeness to the Archie characters, but when you look at some of those early comics, there's that notion that, like, wow, like, dude, Veronica, like, is really working that sweater, you know what I mean? Like, where, where she's like, hey, she's looking really good in that sweater. Like, she almost, like, pops out, you know, like, you're just basically like, whoa, like, hey there. You know, and that kind of thing. And and, and the artwork from, like, Dan DiCarlo, like, those are those are the kind of things I would point to as, as what is the sort of appeal and attraction, you know. So, I guess just to, you know, sum it up, you know, it'd be like, you know, whatever kind of teen property that you like like for me it was like saved by the bell and i remember that night i was pointing out things like you know a cartoon you had never seen but it was called beverly hills teens You know, and it's like any anything like that, like I think hopefully could convey to a listening audience if there's some kind of teen thing, whether it's, you know, California Dreams or 90210 or any anything that fits the mold of that generation. And, you know, obviously this sort of either dates me or, or locks me in a certain box because those are the things I can think of immediately. But I'm sure for every generation they had certain groups and, and certain focuses that were interesting for that kind of genre, the kind of teen entertainment genre. You know, it could be something like The Breakfast Club, for, for all I care. You know what I mean? But yeah. anything like that, like, if, if you liked The Breakfast Club when you were a kid, or anything like that, I, I think in some sense, Archie, you know, it is that kind of dynamic. So that's kind of how I would, basically, and how I did answer you know, Tony's question, but I know this was something that you wanted a forum on to sort of maybe try to actually answer Tony's question and, and, and maybe it would help the listeners understand, you know, sort, sort of where you're coming from in terms of maybe the dissatisfaction with the, you know, the current trailer and, and, and maybe some of the comics we're about to discuss this evening. Yeah, like, like I remember watching the the new Archies, the cartoon series, and I like, I like that. So that, that was probably my first introduction to Archie's and then Archie comics like those were probably the some of the first comics that 
you know, I ever bought on my own. Like I remember sitting at the grocery store, you know, sitting down, reading an Archie Digest and buying a few. And I liked it. And, you know, like you've mentioned shows like Saved by the Bell. Well, like I think I was the only kid in school who didn't watch Saved by the Bell. Like for whatever reason, I didn't like it. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, I, I remember liking shows like Gidget and Dobie Gillis. And those are basically kind of the same kind of thing as Saved by the Bell. Like what Saved by the Bell would be like your 90s teens. Gidget would be like your 60s, like kind of surfer teens. And Dobie Gillis would be like your, what, late 50s, early 60s teens. Yeah. So yeah, like, like I, I don't know why Saved by the Bell like never like caught on with me. Like I, I can remember like Saturday afternoons, like I would call a buddy of mine and we would talk about the cartoons we had watched that morning. Like we'd talk about Garfield and Friends or like you know, Captain Planet or, or whatever we had watched. And he would always be like, dude, did you see Saved by the Bell? And I'm just like, no. He'd be like, did you watch California Dreaming? No, I don't, I don't watch that stuff. Oh, come <laughs> on, man. And like, I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't know why I never watched that. I don't think you were the only one. I mean, I, I think it, it, it did target like a certain specific generation. Like, cause I, I remember being at work back when I used to work at the casinos and stuff and and one of my good friends there you know it was somebody who I worked with every day so we you know and obviously you go through a lot of crap together when when you work at a place like that but she was one of those people where she had never seen Saved by the Bell and every once in a while I'd make these kind of like Zach Morris or you know whatever references like things like that and she just you know it just flew over her head and part of it is like I said it's an age thing you know what I mean like you you know you were targeted at a certain you know, age group, age range, and, and that was something that maybe was, you know, she was a little younger than me, so so it was probably, you know, beyond her, her time frame or whatever, you know, but but I do remember going, what? Like, I, I used to give her so much crap for that, because I was always like, I was a, yeah, you know, good-natured crap, but it was like one of those things where, because we were friends, but it was like, it was like one of those things where, well, what do you mean you've never seen Saved by the Bell? Are you crazy? Like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, that's, for me, it was like this lexicon of of sort of teen type stuff, you know, that, you know, came on Saturday mornings. And it's like, if you were in the middle of it, if you were like in the shit, like you can kind of understand what I'm talking about. And I think to some people like Archie is probably like that. I mean, if you were in the shit of Archie, you know, you, you kind of understand and appreciate it, you know, and, and I think, you know, given your stories about, you know, picking up Archie comics and getting into them at an early age. I mean, I, you know, like I said, like for me, it's, it's kind of like me discovering and appreciating something like way after the fact. Cause I, I do think that Archie has, and always will have some of that stigma of, you know, they're not superhero comics. Mm. They did stranglehold the supermarket, you know, kind of market of comics. Do you know what I mean? Like where you're like, dude, what, you know, what, you know, who is Archie comics in bed with that they still have fucking, <laughs> digests in the middle of supermarkets like i mean that just every every other comic book is nowhere to be found in a freaking supermarket but yet you walk into you know Rayleigh's or or you know i don't know lucky's or, or wherever you know whatever supermarkets you go to safeway you know there's still these like archie digests and you're like what 
what deal with Satan did Archie Comics make to <laughs> still have? I mean, because virtually you never see anything, you know, related to comics in a regular place anymore. It was all the specialty shops and stuff like that, you know. So, I mean, and and, and I think there there is going to be that aspect to it where I I remember when I was first getting into comics, Archie wasn't anything that really caught my eye per se do you know what i mean like it, it was one of those things where it's like oh well you know and and like yourself i think i think the the fondest memories i have of archie are related to that new archie's cartoon you know watching that on saturday mornings and thinking oh these guys are cool you know and and i think it it did play into the the notion that even even something like i don't know maybe like tiny tunes you know that that notion of of you you wanted to sort of identify with these cool teen characters cuz you sort of desperately wanted to be part of their cool team, you know, I don't know, or, or, or just you, you sort of personified yourself onto that where, you know, I mean, I remember I had friends that would, you know, basically, you know, semi cast, you know, people in school as, Oh, well you're Buster Bunny and, and you're Babs Bunny <laughs> yeah. and you're, you know, you're, you're Montana Max and, and you're Elmira and you're this and that. And everybody kind of had their designations. And I mean, that's something you can, you know, sort of easily do with, with, the archetypes that are in Archie comics, you know, and, and, and kind of, you know, maybe, you know, sort of personify yourself and feel like you're part of a cool crowd group or, or whatever, you know, whichever sort of teen, I guess, entertainment you that that speaks to you specifically. Yeah. And, you know, like like that writer said, you know, he, he was talking about how much he, he loved Archie because he, he wanted to live in Riverdale and it was such a fun place. Like, I think I like that, you know, as much as I like, you know, marvel and dc comics as much as i like stuff like you know godzilla movies and james bond was like when i was a kid like sometimes i just wanted to read something normal i guess for lack of better words and you know like you said like i i could read archie comics and look at all the characters and i'd be like oh like you know like my friend tommy like is totally rich because like they're both like kind of jerks but you know it's like you know he hangs out with us so he's our jerk or you know i could you know i could look at the Another friend would be like, yeah, like she's uh, she's my baddie or something like you could, you know, you could totally like self-identify and like, you know, cast yourself and your friends in those roles. And that's that's probably a lot of it, too. But, like, you know, I think it's just sometimes you can get over. Uh, what am I looking for? What's the word? Just oversaturated with like superhero comics, maybe like I know I know sometimes like I'll sit down and I'll read like Wednesday's comics and then. Even if even if it's like a good read, you know, sometimes you'll read your weekly comics and you'll be like, man, like that was great. Like everything was, you know, every issue was cool. Like nothing made me mad. Like that was good. But then sometimes you're like, okay, I read the DC stuff. I'm like, you know, you're just kind of like, man, I'm kind of like superheroed out. Like I'm just going to like, you know, I'm just going to take a break. And sometimes like when I was a kid, when I would like feel like that, like I would read an Archie comic or, or something like hot stuff. Like I remember reading a lot of like hot stuff comics as a kid for some reason. Yeah, I think I think the older I got, the the more I was willing to branch out away from the superhero genre. Like whether that's that's related to like superhero fatigue or something like that, or how they talk about like having you know event fatigue when there are all these you know crossovers and events and everything like that. And you know maybe you just want to like you said, you just want to read something quote unquote either normal or or something a little more quote unquote realistic you know maybe i mean i think that's why probably you know you tend to bring things to fan holes where it's related to maybe you know the spy genre instead of just 
you know, superheroics or, or comics that are, you know, basically sort of outside of the box and everything. And, and I think even when I was in college, there were comics like that, maybe not necessarily Archie, but things that, you know, you were more willing to try that first time out where, you know, by the time I was either in college or had graduated college, that was when I started actually reading Vertigo comics and not kind of, you know, being kind of, I guess, a superhero snob, for lack of a better term, where I'd be like, I don't read that Vertigo shit, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. And, and and I finally, you know, and you discover things like Preacher that's really cool or, you know, maybe, you know, Constantine, you know, or Hellblazer, you know, like wh whatever it was. But I, I think, I, you know, I had to be of a certain mindset and, and willing to sort of, you know, go to the pool much less dip my toe in it you know what i mean i had to i had to be willing to go to that place you know and and i think i think part of the stuff with archie is that i think uh, you know just the simple fact that i was like doing research on it and and just willing to sort of you know put myself in that mindset and also you know i i remember talking to my mom about it and she was always like oh yeah when i was a little girl like i always used to read you know, Archie comics, like she would always say things like Tales from the Crypt, which is funny to me, but she, <laughs> she would say like th those kind of EC horror comics she remembered and she remembered Archie comics and she remembered thinking Wonder Woman was really cool, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like those were the three things that she would always kind of say that she kind of keyed in on as far as comic books when I would ask her about stuff like that. And, and so like in that sense, I was kind of like, okay, well that makes sense, you know, like that, you know, and, and, and I think in that in that way I, I kind of basically came to appreciate Archie comics, you know, whether they were, you know, the ones that we're talking about that are a little more sort of wholesome and kind of, you know, treated the characters with, with you know, some modicum of respect as opposed to, you know, maybe finding hooks and salaciousness and, and things to get people to, you know, basically like, you know, a girl like, you know, who's maybe not the most attractive girl, but then she, you know, basically flashes you to say like hey look over here look <laughs> over here you know like that kind of thing and I, I kind of feel like you know without without you know sort of giving away our hand like I, I do kind of feel like that that is kind of equivalent to what modern day Archie comics are like where it's like it's like you know they wish someone would pay attention to them so they do these kind of outrageous things where it's like look I've dyed my hair blue and I'm now you know flashing you every five minutes just so you can you know you know look over here you know, just so we can get some attention. But I, I, I guess, is, is that kind of, I, I mean, does this, does this do us for the preamble, Justin? Is there any other kind of preamble type stuff that you wanted to get into before we, we move on into the actual nitty gritty of the comic books? Uh, I think I'm ready to dig into Archie meets Predator. All right. So we're going to, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to Dig right into Archie versus Predator. This is an imaginary podcast, which may never have happened. The Shortbox Showcase. But then again may have. About a father and daughter. I'm Professor Allen. And I'm Emily. Who came from Ohio and talked about comics. Walking Dead. Tintin. Black Lightning. White Tiger. It tells of their rise to glory, when the great guests were yet to be booked. Let's put it this way, Shogun Warriors wasn't going to win any Eisners. And the great feats of editing, not yet performed. And this is Ultra 7, this is Ultraman Jack, and this is Ultraman Taro, and this is Ultraman Leo, and this Ultra... Of how they spoke at length. This continuity is really the brainchild of nitpicking nerds the world over. 
But to be fair, the best kind of confession is the Force Confession. And reviewed in brief tales that explore creatively the bounds of a given character's history. Red Sun is wonderful with a very strange ending. Of brilliant creators before their fall from grace. This is the era where Miller is at the height of his creative and artistic powers. And the ability of strong writing to encapsulate and transcend its time. Flash of Two Earths by Gardner Fox. This is an imaginary podcast. Aren't they all? Shortbox Showcase is part of the Relatively Geeky family of podcasts. Check us out on the web at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search in iTunes for Relatively Geeky or Shortbox Showcase. And remember, we're not experts. We're just family. All right, guys. Welcome back. And as promised, we are going to be discussing a four-issue miniseries from Archie Comics and Dark Horse Comics, a joint project, which is, of course, Archie versus Predator. The writer is Alex DeCampi. The penciler is Ferdinando Ruiz. I'm just going to read a quick little tidbit of the write-up the, the basically like the little solicitation on what Archie versus Predator is about. I'm not going to go into a whole nitty gritty thing, but I do have plenty of points to talk about, and I'm sure Justin has plenty of points to talk about. But just to give you guys a basic high-level overview of what this miniseries is about. He's in Riverdale with a few days to kill. America's favorite team meets the galaxy's fiercest hunter. Archie and friends hit Costa Rica for spring break, where party games and beach games are soon replaced by the most dangerous game. What mysterious attraction does the gang hold for the trophy-collecting predator, and will the kids even realize they're in danger before it claims them all? The wildest Archie crossover ever, and that's saying something. I guess they're referring to what, like Punisher and Kiss and all the other kind of events that they've had over the years. So, so Justin, tell us, like, I, I, I think you got to tell us what you just told me before we started the show. Right. So, if you're a comics fan, you are familiar with the term burn stealing. Basically, burn stealing is if you're in a comic shop, you read the comic, and you don't pay for it. And Following that, I invented this, this term after a very, uh, uh, what's the word here? <laughs> Notorious? Notorious poster on great old bot talk called Labyrinth. I invented the term Labyrinth read, as in I totally Labyrinth read that comic, meaning you didn't read it, you just kind of looked at the pictures and flipped through it. So, midway into issue two, of Archie versus Predator, I started to Labyrinth read, and then I read Labyrinth read the rest of the issues because it got to be a little too much for me. And the thing that I didn't like was like I don't want to see Salem vaporized horribly, like half page spread, like that just kind of like turned me off. And like I mean, I know what people are going to say; they're going to be like, "But dude, it's Archie versus Predator. Of course, people are going to get killed." Yeah, I get that. And you know, stuff like Afterlife with Archie, I like. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with other interpretations of Archie. But this was just like, I mean, this is too much. Like, you had 
First you had like this kind of fight, this kind of a brutal fist fight with blood between Betty and Veronica in issue one. I was like, okay, they're like, they're totally going like psycho. Like this is... Well, yeah, she she breaks, I mean, it's sort of by accident, but, yeah. but Veronica breaks Betty's nose and her whole face is like smeared with, you know, basically catch-up blood. It's like, oh. I, I think what was kind of disconcerting about the entire... The, the entire procedure, I guess I'll call it, is like, I, I really, I, I thought to myself, I was kind of like, oh, you know, this will kind of be fun. So I was kind of willing to go along with it. And I think like yourself, like probably, I think midway through issue two was when you kind of realized like, oh shit, this is like, this is like kind of too much, like, yeah. or too, too, I mean, too, you know, like, like, because like, uh, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll just try to go through some, some bullet points and stuff, but I mean, for issue one, like trying to speak to maybe some positives and stuff like that, like, I mean, you know, you're basically introduced to the cast of Archie fairly quickly. I, I did have this weird question where I, I sort of understand that like Cheryl Blossom is not always the most popular character like she's supposed to be like you know uh, uh, basically that third faction i'm always referring to whether it's like <laughs> you know zartan or the insecticons it's like you've got yeah. betty and veronica and in comes like shara blossom to like fuck up the dynamic and make everything interesting and i sort of get that and appreciate it but the the way the the setup goes is like it's spring break and they're like well what are the kids from Riverdale gonna do for spring break and they're kind of like we don't know and of course Cheryl Blossom is kind of giving them crap about it because they're of course gonna go off on this yacht and do all these cool things because they're you know one percenter Richie Richies and 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 they're kind of almost looking down on all the other Riverdale kids but in the back of my head I'm kind of like scratching my head going well wait does Cheryl Blossom fall into a higher income bracket than Veronica Lodge? Like, isn't Veronica yeah. Lodge's whole thing that she owns the whole, her dad owns, like, the entire fucking town, and she can just snap her fingers and, like, have a bunch of people buy her shit and do whatever the fuck she wants? Yeah. So I, I kind of went, like, well, I, I don't know. Like, I maybe I just don't know enough about the two characters, and maybe Cheryl Blossom is that much richer but then again that that would kind of be one of my pet peeves kind of in the equivalency of like you know a 90s character like doomsday or carnage showing up and poning like a long established character like dark side where i'm like well wait a minute cheryl blossom just comes in and all of a sudden she's richer than veronica like okay spare me like i don't really get it you know and that that's kind of my initial reaction to that i think basically the, the way the plot proceeds is Jughead gets this winning ticket from a bag of chips that he's opening and basically the whole gang wins this trip to Costa Rica they're gonna you know go on this cool vacation uh, you know of course you know going to Costa Rica it's a warm climate so that kind of entails like why the predator would be there and all this other stuff there was some cool stuff in the two-page spread where you can see there are these sort of open beach bars which is true of the area like there would be stuff like I mean, it's a little cartoony and a little Archie-ish, but it's true of what would be in the general vicinity in the area, you know, depending on where you were. And and one of them is actually labeled Dutch's Bar. So I thought that was kind of like a cool little nod to, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in the first movie. You know, Reggie kind of is trying to mack on all the women and 
does make the comment that he is a gosh darn sexual tyrannosaur, much <laughs> like you know Jesse Ventura. You know, so so there are some nods there where I was like, oh, that's kind of clever. Like that's kind of cool. Like I, I get what they're trying to lay down there and everything like that. It took me a minute, and to be honest, I couldn't remember who ginger lopez was and and it was like i guess if you look at the two-page spread i'm just gonna flat out say the people on the left side of the two-page spread are characters that i all knew with you know archie betty veronica jughead reggie you know moose tilton whoever on the left side of the page i was kind of like wait a minute okay i know who chuck clayton is and then i was like wait who are all these other guys now you know and it was like kevin keller <laughs> and 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 ginger lopez and nancy you know like so it was like you know the, the ones that I, I sort of had to struggle to you know you know oh you know like what who, who are those guys and stuff like that and 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 I, I to be honest like i almost didn't even realize kevin keller was in this until i did a quick rundown of like what characters actually show up in this first issue and and i also kind of was wondering that there there is this kind of popularity contest. I guess the idea is Dilton is supposed to be working on the yearbook, but he's on this vacation and, you know, I guess they say, okay, well, we'll help you out with the popularity contest and we'll we'll do a popularity contest with all the girls and stuff and, and vote and then and Dilton can, you know, look at his telescope and relax on the vacation or whatever. So they have, like, this sort of, like, I don't know, beauty pageant almost in Costa Rica and, you know, it looks like Veronica Lodge is almost destined to be the clear winner she's out there wearing this you know hoity-toity versace dress and all the guys you know their tongues are wagging and all this other stuff and then i guess cheryl blossom is being all kind of you know bitchy about it and stuff and wants to you know make veronica look bad so i think she gives betty like you know some more designer clothes or whatever i forget what it was like you know what is it for shot? I don't know. Anyway, I can't remember all that girl shit, but basically it was another designer, you know, basically like, you know, dress or whatever. And so then again, then everybody like loses their mind when Betty puts it on and stuff like that. And like, I was kind of thinking in the back of my head, like when all the guys are voting, it's like, you, you get it. Like Archie goes from like voting a 10 for Veronica and then like he votes like 11 for Betty <laughs> yeah. or something like that. But in the back of my mind, I'm kind of like, well, wait a minute. So Kevin Keller is also voting. And I was just kind of like, what, what, what? I don't know. I, I was totally confused. <laughs> I was like, why does he care? I don't know. I don't get it. But anyway, that was that was going on in my in my in the back of my brain. I I think one of the early moments because this is interesting. Why maybe one didn't quite go over the line, but it sort of did. Is the predators there on the island? And I guess it's attracted by this blade that Betty finds or whatever. And and as we're saying, he's also watching this cat fight between Betty and Veronica that turns really violent, like really fast. And you know, blood is like smeared all over Betty's face, and she kind of runs away into the jungle and is like looking around for stuff. And she thinks she's I don't know. She she sort of. I don't know, Betty's crazy. I'm just going to flat out say Betty's insane. So she, like, basically, you know, decides to put this curse on Veronica or whatever. And, you know, and she's saying this privately to herself. But when, basically, when all is forgiven and they, they meet up with all the friends again and, and, and that kind of thing, they kind of notice, well, you know, geez, like, what happened to, to Cheryl and Jason Blossom? And you, you kind of get the notion, like, they don't really show it directly on panel. It basically happens off panel. But the next time you see the Predator, he's got 
a bunch of skulls and there's a bunch of blood dripping from the trees and apparently the Riverdale Archie gang doesn't really realize that there's a bunch of blood dripping on them. They just think, I don't know, Costa Rican trees magically drip red stuff. I, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, they, they don't really seem to pay it too much mind. But at that point, I was kind of like, wait, holy shit. Like, so, and I kind of flipped forward and flipped back and was kind of like, oh, so they're, and I was like, wow, they're, they're fucking dead. And I was like, I, and I was kind of like, and I go, oh, so I guess they're really killing people. So I was like, oh, so this is not, you know, this is not a thing where it's like, oh, Archie versus Punisher. And we're going to all sort of explain how this could conceivably fit into continuity and nobody, you know, everything's going to go back to normal by the end of it. No, this is like straight up. This is an alternate universe, like every character's up for grabs like anybody can die you know like type thing and i went wow okay well all right you know and i i just kind of went along for it i i, I think I'll, I'll be honest with you like it, by the time i got to the second issue i sort of started cracking up like when when pops gets his head blown away by the predator's little side cannon mm -hmm. like i laughed my ass off mm -hmm. like I, I i don't know why like I, it was just kind of like I, I i wasn't really taking it too serious at that point because it was kind of like gee guys uh you know like and and i guess the predator like you know follows them back you know to riverdale and i'm just like i don't know why like because he wants the knife or whatever like i at that point it was kind of like all over the place like i i don't think i labyrinth read this but i think i understand it about as much as labyrinth would had he labyrinth <laughs> it, if that makes any sense you know because like i'm just sitting there going like i don't i don't get all of this you know uh, but I, I, I can understand your disconcertion when, like, basically, because by the second issue, like, the, Betty and Veronica go to Sabrina, the teenage witch, because Betty thinks she's cursed everybody. And, like, so Sabrina being, you know, the magic muckety-muck, like, she's basically about to magic, like, all their problems away. And all of a sudden, the Predator, like, crashes through the window and, like, guts her. And then, like, Salem, like, gets all pissed off and is, like, about to meow in the Predator's face. And, like, just alluded to, you know, Salem is, like, blown the fuck away. I, I think even at that point, I know that was the point where you kind of got disconnected from it. I think at that point, I still wasn't quite taking it seriously. Like, I was still kind of like, oh, this is an alternate universe. And I was kind of laughing about it. But I, in the back of my mind, I started thinking, like, well, if this was Spider-Verse, I'd be pissed. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, so like, I, I, it was kind of teetering on that edge of, like, is this Spider-Verse or is this something that is legitimately funny because it's this sort of weird black comedy? And, and at the time, I was kind of, like, reading it and going, okay, you know, and, and, and the kind of tawdry stuff we're talking about, like, not like I'm going to complain, but, like, I guess Veronica's covered in blood and Betty's covered, like, not really all in blood or whatever, but Veronica starts to change into one of Sabrina's dresses and they've got her in her, like, lingerie and shit. And I was just kind of like, okay, but I was like... I I, it kind of cracked me up because I was like, even the Predator, you can see, like, his eyes are, like, super wide. Like, hey, hey now. <laughs> like, Veronica's changing in lingerie. You know, and I just went, I don't know why that would, like, turn on the Predator. But even in that panel, it's like he's totally checking her out, like, through the window or whatever. And, like, I think this is the point where, like, it lost me because... Kevin Keller, I, I don't know a whole lot about Kevin Keller, but apparently he has a dad. His dad is a general in the army. So his dad shows up, Moose shows up, 
Midge shows up and they all bring like guns and shit and they're all ready to like take out the predator and stuff and General Keller, Kevin Keller's dad basically says, well I'm not supposed to tell you kids this classified shit but this is a predator and gives you the whole exposition down low on what a predator is and what it does and everybody's like, okay well we're gonna take out the predator so it's like all these dudes like from the book, you know go out there with, like, M16s and stuff, and they're gonna, like, take down the Predator or whatever, right? And then, in the meantime, they're like, okay, Dilton, Archie, like, you stay here with the girls and protect them. I don't know why they got picked, but, you know, they, you guys stay behind because we need to have somebody for issues three and four, and then the rest of them all go out, and I think this was the point where it sort of lost me, where basically, like, Midge is, like, like, there's the, 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 the cannon blast from the Predator, and, like, Moose is holding Midge, and, like, Midge's entrails are, like, all over the fucking place. And I'm just like, whoa, dude! Like, that, I think that was the part that, like, really, like, kind of lost me at that point, where I was just like, holy fuck! And then, at, like, he doesn't even get a chance to, like, cry over her body. The car gets flipped over. It's like Midge, Moose, and Kevin Keller's dad, the general guy, like, they're instantly dead. Like, they're just dead. And then Reggie, like, Kevin Keller's, like, crying because his dad's just got killed. And, like, Chuck Clayton, and they're all, like, screaming and shit and, like, shooting their M16s and everything. And they all fucking get, like, fucked up. And, and they're pretty much all dead, right? And then you're like, well, wait a minute, they're dead? And then, like, Chuck is, like, clinging on to life. And, like, he's half, like, I don't know if his, like, torso is split open or whatever. But he's, like, crawling up to the Predator. And he's, like, you know doing like i mean it's almost like they become the guys from the original predator movie where he's like you know he basically is like you know fuck you asshole and he like pulls a pin out of the grenade and like blows it up and basically you know blows himself up and sets it off in front of the predator and like i i think just seeing all that kind of blood and guts and violence like merged with like an archie book like i i guess Maybe, you know, and, and maybe this speaks to, to me, but, you know, I, I think I'd be okay with it if, like, Veronica and Betty were just being kind of tawdry and, and running around in skimpy bathing suits or something like that. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, all the blood and guts, like, kind of... I mean, even even if it's something, like you said, like, I, we, we read Afterlife with Archie, and we kind of get it, like, I yeah. think. But, but th this was just different, because it wasn't... I don't know, like, it, 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 it felt kind of, I, I think I was uneasy because it's like everything was drawn in that sort of traditional yeah. cartoony Archie style, but yet the violence was very, very real or very, it had had permanent consequences. So it, it, it just felt kind of like there are these two different vibes and, and, and they sort of clashed with one another. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think part of it for me was it's totally done in the, like, classic, you know, Archie in-house in style. Whereas, you know, Afterlife with Archie has, like, its own kind of different tone. Like, it, they're not drawn like uh, they are classically. But, you know, it's like, it's kind of disconnecting in a way. It's like you have, like, these, like, you know, traditional, like, panels of, like, Archie and the gang hanging out and all this stuff. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, like, there goes Pop's head. 
but it's done in the archy style and you're just like wait what like huh well it's like he like he looks so cartoony but then yet when they yeah. get to the panel where his head gets blown away like you see a little eyeball that like squiggles out from the side and like it's just blood and brains and bits are going all over the place and like you know when you think about it you're like holy crap and like I, I, like i said for me the moment was like just seeing like midge's entrails like splattered all over the place and but it's like cartoony midge but like her entrails are like all over the place and you're just like holy crap like she's you know i don't know it just it, it, it was really kind of disconcerting to to see that kind of stuff I, I i guess i'll just keep going with like for my notes on issue three because at this point i think you were you were kind of like you turned your brain off and you're just kind of flipping through the pages yeah. right like you I, were you were you were shell-shocked like you were yeah. all numb shit like at that point like yeah. you you had been through the ringer you know i i i guess i i I had this weird moment where it's like, okay, so you've got these these additional cast members to Archie, you know, this this attempt to increase the diversity of Riverdale and stuff. So you've got the girls that are there, and along with Betty and Veronica that Dilton and Archie are watching over, you've got Ginger Lopez, you've got Midge, and then you, or not Midge, um, you've got, who's it? Ginger Lopez, and you got, um, who's it? It's Ethel, right? Yeah, Ethel. And Nancy, right? And so they're all left behind. And I guess, like, I guess one thing we forgot to mention was, I guess, Veronica cons Jughead into dressing up like her because the Predator seems to be after her and Betty. And so that's what sort of draws the Predator out when all that stuff went down in the second issue. But, like, all those girl characters basically are, like, uh, kind of like, it's like they're about to have that moment where, you know, Archie gives a speech or Betty gives a speech or whatever. And it's like, we're all going to stick together and we're going to kick that predator's ass. And like, you know, solidarity, Riverdale, yeah. And then those girls all kind of look around and are just like, wait. So Nancy's like, Chuck just got killed. And she's like, and I'm a black person in this like horror genre. Like, so I'm going to get the fuck out of here. You know, because I don't have... My odds of surviving this aren't very good. And Ginger Lopez basically, like, echoes the same thing. So it's like... I, I don't know, like, I, I kind of thought back to that San Diego Comic-Con interview that the, the writer of that, you know, Afterlife with Archie and also the, the current Riverdale show talked about putting characters in different scenarios and seeing how they all react. And I, I kind of thought that like maybe they aren't as good friends as they thought they are or like you know it kind of puts a lie to that whole like if you look at you know i know you've never seen you know or didn't watch saved by the bell but I, you know i think of the whole there's there's an episode where they all start a band and you know the 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 hit song is like friends forever and it's supposed to be like how the band breaks up and they're not really friends and then by the end of it they do a reunion thing and they're singing the friends forever thing and it's supposed to be like you know friends forever you know and and, and that's the whole thing right and and like all i could think of is like well these guys clearly are not friends forever like when when shit gets really bad like when the chips are down like they're like dude we're out of here the predator just killed everybody we're getting the fuck out of riverdale and that's i mean you never see them again after that it's not like they come back at the end and have a change of heart and like i don't know stab the predator later or something like that like they're just gone and i i kind of went wow that's kind of you know like 
I don't know. It, it, it was just that notion was kind of weird to me and, yeah. and seemed to put a lie to like any kind of. I mean, if you were trying to say that Archie is wholesome and that there's some kind of, you know, values that these characters have, like clearly those characters don't have it or they they were so scared that they abandoned it right away. So their convictions weren't very strong in that sense like they're just like basically like i think i'm gonna die so i'm gonna get the fuck out of here basically and like at that point like you know it kind of gets more horrific where like you know jughead's trying to like get some food out of the vending machine and the predator comes across him and then like you know again he's he's you know like in the predator movies he's you know, taking the skulls and the spines as trophies and shit like that, and and his head ends up getting stuck in the vending machine that he was in and stuff, and like, I yeah, I mean, it, it got kind of more and more weird. Where like, you know, basically now you're down to like Betty, Veronica, Dilton, and Archie, and and Dilton is kind of getting more and more creepy, like like more and more like Topher Grace and Predators, where it's like. You know, he's always, like, drawn in shadow, and you see the, like, shiny glasses kind of like, you know, in Frank Miller's Sin City, where you're like, dude, something's not quite right with Dilton right now. And, like, I mean, I, I guess, you know, they, they were trying to establish that he was kind of jealous of Archie, but he also kind of idolized Archie because he... Basically, he leads him down to, you know, uh, a room... I guess he, he keeps calling it the AV room, like the audio video room or whatever in the school and stuff, but it looks like he, he made this, like, Archie war suit, I guess, basically, like this robotic battle suit that looks just like Archie. And so the girls think it's kind of weird that it looks like Archie, but they're like, you know, okay, well, if the war suit's gonna save us, like, great, and everything. And, like, I... I, I this, I mean, you know, since you, you, you kind of peripherally read it, like, I'm kind of confused based on what happened, because it seems like Dilton shoots a net on the Predator, and it's kind of established that the Predator that's going after them is a teenage Predator. But then the Predator ends up killing Dilton, and I was like, wait, is that a different Predator? Is that, like, the dad or the adult Predator? Because the other one's in a net, and I wasn't quite sure what was going on and like there's even these moments where he's kind of like veronica and i will cuddle after i kill the predator and i was kind of like wait a minute like don't don't you like betty yeah. like i could have sworn like dilton's whole thing was he had a mad crush on betty but here he's just like i don't give a shit like you know who's ever in lingerie i'm all about that <laughs> hitting that shit you know or whatever it's like i mean i don't blame the guy but he just wants a little you know, he wants a piece of ass, like, once he kills the Predator, okay, fine, whatever, but I, I, I was sort of, you know, kind of, like, that, that last couple bits there, I was kind of confused, basically. I mean, did you, did you take that one way or the other? Are there two Predators? Is there one Predator? Because I'm kind of lost, like, especially even going into issue four, I'm still not sure. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. I just remember being horrified by, like, Jughead in the vending machine I was just like wow like I, I was like flipping through and I saw that and I was like holy shit and then the yeah, that, that's that that kind of is equivalent to the whole you know spider friends getting shot in the head and all that stuff and then know? and then Dilton's robot I stopped I was like okay so we're going in that direction like Dilton has built like an Archie like Mazinger type robot I was just like I kind of laughed at that I just stopped I was like what and I was like, Phew. I was like, okay, like this is getting really wacky, but like, 
I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I don't care. And I just kept, like, flipping through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so by the time I got to issue four, this comic is completely off the rails. <laughs> yeah. I, I find the ending extremely perverse. Like, I don't get it at all. Like, it, it's very, very perverse. Like, basically at this point, like, I think Archie is gravely injured. They stick him in some kind of, you know, Star Trek med bay that, <laughs> you know, Veronica Lodge's dad built. And somehow she shoots him up with too much, I guess, medicine and becomes this, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger Hulk type yeah. Archie. And starts, like, fighting the Predator and shit. And he ends up dying fighting against the Predator. Which, to me, like, smacks of, like, you know, uh, rah-rah, we want a woman president. And Betty and Veronica are gonna, you know, fix things. Because they're, they're, they're women and, and they know what's what. And all these other guys are getting themselves killed, right? And, and, and Veronica even has that kind of line of dialogue where, oh, we, you know, we got into this mess because we were relying on the boys to help us. But we should just you know, rely on ourselves and stuff like that. And so so there there's there's that notion that they were they were in air to depend on men, right? And then the predator is somehow see th this is the other thing that confused me is I, I I guess this is the same teenage predator and maybe there's not two predators, but like the the predator is obsessed with Betty and Veronica and I, I thought maybe it was because of that knife that Betty found but maybe it's because he just thought they were both hot when they had that fight and <laughs> one broke the other's nose I, like I maybe thought it was, I thought it was the knife but like I, I don't know it yeah, is really weird yeah, yeah I, I thought it was the knife but like now it's like I'm like well wait a minute he's trying to kill all these people this whole time but now all of a sudden he like takes Betty's lucky scrunchie and puts it in his hair and like <laughs> and and like and like he literally like lops off Betty's arm, right? Yeah. And Veronica's like all covered in blood and she's nearly dead and all that stuff. And they get into the panic room and the, the bomb goes off. I guess it's like the you know, the predator bomb or whatever and shit. But like they say he like I guess Betty gets into that Star Trek med bay or whatever. So her arm's fine apparently, even though, like, you'd think she would be long dead by this point. And Veronica's fine. Like, they survived the nuclear explosion, they survived getting their arm chopped off because of this MacGuffin medbay thing or whatever, right? And then, since they, since Archie is dead, but that teenage predator obsesses over both Betty and Veronica, they decide that it's going to be perfectly okay to use that Star Trek medbay to surgically alter the Predator with the scrunchie in his hair to look like Archie Andrews. And that's how the story fucking ends. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, what, what the fuck? Like, I mean, that I just know. that just seems so perverse on so many levels. It's like, wait, okay, so this thing killed all your friends, and okay, and you're not gonna like bring them back, it, kill it, kill them back, like whatever, yeah. right? And then because because it's into you guys, you're you're gonna make it look like a dude that died that you both had the hots for that both had the hots for you. But yet, 
technically speaking, there's a bunch of interspecies, like, hinky-dinky shit going. I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't get it. I, 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 I thought this was going to be, like, a cool thing to talk about, but <laughs> I was just like, man, what happened to Archie versus Predator? Hey, you, like, you had potential, but I, I don't know what happened. You thought Namor just kissing a lobster woman was bad. Like, this is a whole other level. Like, it, this is like, this is like the lobster woman, we're going to make her look like Sue Storm <laughs> with a fucking uh, a, a plastic surgery machine, and it's gonna be okay. But then, like in the back of your mind, every time you see Sue Storm go, then you're gonna be like, oh no, oh no. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, wow. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Like, like, do you have anything to add as far as like? I know you sort of kind of quickly went through those last couple issues, which is why I just tried to hit on the major important beats, but. Is there anything you want to sort of add to those? I don't even know what to say at, at, at this point. You know, like I said, I get that this is Archie versus Predator, and it, you know, it just by it being that type of crossover, like it should be violent and gory, but like not, not like this, and it shouldn't be as like weird and as twisted as it is. I'm just like, I'm kind of like you. I'm just like baffled that it, like, how did this even like get? like approved like did they did they just like automatically be like all right you know stamp of approval it'll make millions larry and they just like didn't read it i'm I like i don't i don't i don't get it I, don't, I just don't understand yeah yeah i don't i don't really get it either this is the old father odin and you should be listening to radio free asgard no no that's just not gonna work let's try this again this is the evil Loki, and if you hate Thor as much as I do, you should be- Alright, let's just try one more thing. Jane Foster here, and you should be- Ah, uh, risen! Alright, let's just keep this simple. Hello everybody, my name is Tom Harris, and I do a podcast called Radio Free Asgard, which airs every Thursday over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. We cover the adventures of Thor, Hercules, and more from ancient times all the way up into the present day. We read old comics and make fun of them. I do ridiculous voices and generally make an ass of myself. So if that sounds fun to you, you should come join us, the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin, over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. And we'll see you there. All right. So, so, so let's move on to something good. Okay, okay. So, so moving on from... Archie versus Predator. We are also here to discuss the 2016 release of Betty and Veronica, issue number one. I guess, strictly speaking, this is probably like the third volume of a Betty and Veronica comic. Yeah. The main reason why this was so attractive and and something that I thought would be worth taking a look at and investigating is the writer and the artist is the exceptionally talented Adam Hughes. And, you know, Adam Hughes is a pretty cool guy. I did get his autograph on uh, my Debt of Honor Star Trek poster, so he was he was nice enough to sign that when I met him at one of the big WoW cons. But I, I did think this would kind of be fun to look at just because I was like, oh, well, you know, obviously he's well known for, I, I guess, I, I you know, not to say it in a de degrading way, but, I mean, I, I think a lot of promotional material even you know way back in the day would describe him as a, a you know a quote-unquote cheesecake artist you know what i mean like that he he drew like wonderfully beautiful images of women so who better 
to draw like two of the most beautiful women in all of Archie comics, right? So, so that it seems like you know th- this kind of seems like a Larry thing that's a no-brainer that I can get behind. You know, where they're like Adam Hughes, Betty and Veronica, greenlight it. You know, like it seemed like it, it kind of makes sense. But I'll, I'll go ahead and read the kind of previews type synopsis, and then we can we can get talking about the first issue. It's Betty versus Veronica. The most highly anticipated debut in comics history is here. Betty and Veronica are America's sweethearts until they turn on each other. Pop's Chocolate Shop is being taken over by a huge coffee company. When Betty and Veronica go head-to-head over the issue, all bets are off and friendships will shatter. Cities will burn. Nails will be broken. Betty and Veronica are back in this all-new number one from comics legend Adam Hughes. So that's basically the nitty-gritty, quick, and dirty synopsis of Betty and Veronica number one. Obviously, it's it's a lot more detailed than that. I mean, you know, again, the art is lovely. I mean, it's great art. Yeah. And it's kind of... It has this, like, funny framework where it does kind of call back to things like tales from the crypt where like but in a funny way we're like i guess you've got hot dog you know jughead's dog but he's kind of serving as like the the narrator crypt keeper host yeah, yeah. i guess of of the story and everything and I thought he's that kind was of great yeah yeah i mean that was that was pretty funny so i mean you know he like he does stuff where he's like and archie's hair smells like waffles and i love that <laughs> like that, that that kind of stuff like cracks me up because like like I, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. All that stuff is great. Like I, I forget exactly what the nickname is, but but basically, like he, he, for a lot of the characters, he's got like these funny nicknames. And like when it comes to Betty, it's like, and you know, we call this one like you know, ear scratch Mick awesome laugh or whatever and and it's like it's like well nobody else calls her that i just call her that most of the humans call her betty you know but it's like obviously like you know you could tell like he's got a sweet spot for betty like scratching behind his ears and sitting in her lap and all that kind of good stuff so like i i mean that that part of the story i thought was funny uh, it was humorous i mean i i can't i don't know may, maybe you can you can fill me in on this or not but i, I didn't do much research on this i mean i mostly know adam hughes based on his artwork. So I can't think of too many things off the top of my head where he was also the writer on. And and you know me, like normally yeah. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty down on on writer artist combos. Like uh, a lot of the times I think, you know, sometimes certain writer artist type combo guys, they start out as artists, they get very popular, they try to do both and they kind of run before they can walk or crawl or whatever and it, it kind of falls flat. But I mean, I'll say for this, I mean, I, I thought this story was was pretty good. Like, I mean, it was it, it was funny in some of the points that it had to be funny in. I mean, kind of like what we were saying was the attraction of the the teen entertainment. I mean, if I'm gonna point to myself and call myself out and say, hey, you know, I got into watching things like Kevin Williamson writing Dawson's Creek. I mean, a lot of the dialogue in here. It's like the kids are kids, but they also seem to be very kind of intelligent and also they they sort of poked fun at themselves, but they didn't really take it super seriously, I guess, if that makes any sense. Like, you, you know, J- Jughead and Betty kind of are in this skirmish, 
but yet it's it's kind of like I surrender, I surrender. Okay, let's go have burgers. You know, like it, it's not like you know, you know, there it's not like you know Betty Jughead Civil War. You know, like that kind of thing. So, but I mean, I guess that's to 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 wait until the the bombshell is dropped. That I guess you know Veronica's dad bought out this this coffee company, and the coffee company is actually you know, and, and the banks and all that stuff that, that own Pop's chocolate shop. And, you know, it's like the whole, it's almost like a kind of tired trope. It's like the, the, the gang hangout, you know, is going to be torn down and they have to come together to save it. But the, the twist is that, you know, one of their own is sort of behind the, 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 the takedown of the gang hangout, basically. Yeah, and they even kind of like make fun of that point a little bit because they're like, oh, like this is happening again because, you know, Pop's chocolate shop closing down has been used like a number of times. So they're just like, oh, like that's happening again? Like, okay. But then, but then they kind of like, you know, they kind of like treat it as like, oh, like this is serious this time. Like this is really bad. Like we have to raise like $60,000 in order to save the shop. It's weird because in some sense, I mean, without getting too deep into it, I mean, Something like this, like as as much of a trope as it is, like does really seem relevant today. Yeah, you know, like because you've got like a lot of small businesses that are basically disappearing overnight, or you know, cannot maintain the current status quo given the the state of affairs as they are. So, I mean, it, it's it's not without the it, you know, it's not without being in the realm of possibility that something like this could happen. And, you know, there, there's those lines of dialogues about how, you know, basically, you know, Riverdale could be turned into this den of consumerism and, and, and that it will basically look like every other small town instead of being sort of unique and individual, you know? And so th there is some interesting commentary in there as far as that goes. It doesn't, it doesn't hit you over the head with it. It's not like it's like one of those things where you're, 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 uh, it, it's not shoved in your nose, you know, like, but, but it's, it's there and, and I can appreciate, you know, that, that it's something that's sort of subtly layered into, you know, basically what is kind of like a fun story. Right. And, you know, we, we've been kind of talking about this tonight. Like we've been talking about the, the changing of Archie, the updating, the, you know, the tawdriness of, of that kind of effect like I think this is a really good like updating like like you said the the dialogue is very much of its time but it doesn't like bash you over the head with like kind of teen or like millennial speak like it's it's really funny in places like there's this one thing where like Midge is like riding on Moose's back and Moose is like Moose merely cheap transportation through life's rich pageant like that like that cracks me up man like I mean who knew like Adam Hughes like was like you know i mean of course we know he's like a great artist but like who knew like he could write like such funny stuff like that like that's great like there's so many like the comic is very rich in dialogue too i mean it's like one of the funny things is like hot dog admits that like he basically ate the homework like he ate two pages so you have two pages of nothing but text balloons and like it's like it's it's hilarious man like that shit cracks me up like this like, and it's it's such a great like reading archie versus predator and then reading this, I'm like, oh man, like this is so great. Like this is like, I'm just like, oh, like this, like this is what things should be. The the two page spread, I think, it, it's like that fine line between commentary and laziness, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? Because it's like you can tell, like that those two pages took him a lot less time to draw 
But you know what it reminds me of? It's like it's almost like calling out guys like McFarlane and Bendis because it's like he's yeah. slamming he's slamming writers that have uh, tons and tons of dialogue to cover up weak art, and he's also slamming artists that like McFarlane, especially in like the later days of like Spawn. I remember there'd be these like huge splash pages where it'd be like Spawn in his cape, but essentially all it was was an entire black page with like a cape as the outlining, yeah. and then like 500 dialogue boxes where it's like, I'm Spawn, and I'm in an alley, and I'm sad, and all this other shit. And like, the, you know, basically in this case, the two pages just facilitate like, oh, this is what happened, even though these two pages are missing or whatever. And, and it's supposed to be kind of like a jab and, and kind of be witty about it, you know, and, and, and also kind of poke fun at the whole, you know, oh, this uh, uh, he, he's like, the, you know, Betty and Veronica have gratuitously, uh, I mean, graciously decided to wear these <laughs> swimsuits, you know, and it's just like, oh, OK, like that, you know, it's like the, the, that that kind of stuff, like you're saying, it, it is to me, I, I, I'd say a genuine and honest surprise to to discover that like Adam Hughes, you know, the, like you're saying that he, he writes this as witty as it as it comes out. Like, I think it really is pretty witty. Like, I can remember being a kid and like seeing like, you know, like you said, those pages of like McFarlane art where it takes a full page or like it's a double spread or something. Like as a kid, I remember like being like, whoa, look at this. It's like it's two full eight pages of Spider-Man like in a pose. It's like a poster. Like, that's like, you know, you go back now and you look at it and you're just like, Okay, the artwork is cool, but it's kind of lazy. <laughs> like, you know, you don't really think of that as a kid. Like, as a kid, you're just like, whoa, cool. Like, Spawn's, like, totally taking up, like, two pages. It's awesome. It's like a poster. Well, it shouldn't be like a poster. It's a comic book. But it's like, you know, you don't... That's the kind of thing you don't think of as a kid. I, I think also, too, though, I think why he earns the right to to do... to make that commentary, too, is if you look at all the heavy dialogue that's been going on in the first 17 pages, you'll notice he tells a story and it's not just, you know, the, the common criticism of like Bendis books where you've got the, the same panel like inverted yeah. and photoshopped and switched around and all this other shit for like just, you know, 17 panels. And it's just, you know, again, lazy, you know, but, but then when you look at the first 17 pages, you see how, not lazy it is but it's also heavy with dialogue and rich you know word balloons and all that other kind of stuff so you're like hey you can do both if you really want to if you if your fucking heart's in it you know you you can actually do both so i i, I think that's why he kind of earns to, to you know to take that shot across the bow and that which which i think is fine i think i think that's you, you you almost forgive him for for his laziness in terms of the art because of the point he's making because the other previous 17 pages and then the pages that follow those two pages are so not lazy like it, it, it basically accentuates the point you know yeah like i'm looking at it right now like there's like this really beautiful shot of like betty and it, and it's like she's kind of like her eyes are looking off to the side and you've got like leaves blowing around her and her hair is like kind of messed up i'm like like that's a really like beautiful panel, man. Like that's gorgeous. Well, and and, and even even Hot Dog makes fun of it when he's yeah. narrating later, where he's like, "Can we can we get a leaf blower? <laughs> like what? Because it's like it's all this beautiful imagery and stuff. And and in some sense, like it does help cover up the fact that like in certain pages there there aren't as many backgrounds drawn. But also thematically, you're like, oh, it's the fall and 
you know, literally, like, Pop's chocolate shop is falling, and yada, 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 like, so, like, I, you know, it's like, there's layers to it, and, 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 but then at the same time, he can poke fun at, at that about himself, you know, so it's like, I, I, you know, I don't know, I, I kind of, I, I did get a kick out of this, like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to the next issue, I don't think it's gonna roll around until late, like, September or something like that. Yeah, this was this was really great. And like I said, after reading or kind of like elaborate reading those four Archie versus Predators comics, like this, like this was really a, a breath of fresh air. I'm like, man, like this, you know, like I said, like this is the kind of Archie stuff that I that I want. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I you know I I think I think part of it is when when you know and and I don't know if this is appealing to comic fans of your and my generation but i mean adam hughes is is a name that's well known and his art is 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 easily recognizable and is very well done but i mean i i think even in terms of like something that keyed me in on to to quote unquote modern day archie comics i'm i'm doing air quotes even though you can't see them but uh you know modern day quote unquote archie comics you know like when when they did life with archie you know like i i think having somebody like norm brayfogle do archie or you know like when they did those whole new look archies and and things like that like having somebody who was kind of recognizable but sort of new to archie like i i think stuff like that would always you know, I, I can't speak for everybody else, but if there were artists that I liked that were recognizable, like if Tom Grummet was doing a Betty versus Veronica arc, I would kind of think, oh, wow, that'd be really neat, you know, to see Tom Grummet do, like, the Archie characters or whatever, or, you know, you know, just any any creator that, you know, maybe hadn't been, you know, regularly known for it. So I think there is that appeal to this to this book just on the outset of it. And, and, and I think the happy surprise was that the, the writing turned out to be, you know, so good as well. I Now, I want to see, like, Mike Diodato Jr. do, like, a, a Josie and the Pussycats book or something. Yeah, yeah. See, like, something like that, I'd totally be on board for that. That sounds like it'd be fun. Or, or even have, like, you know, like, Sam Keith do, like, a Sabrina the Teenage Witch or something. You know, like, like you could do, you know, I mean, I, we could do this all day long. Like, have, like, wish lists of, of, of guys that could either do pinups or, or do whole series. But I, I think a lot of that stuff would be fun. I I don't want to come off as being, like, that angry comic book fan. Like, I I don't want to come off as being, like, you're totally messing my shit up with this what, newfangled stuff. No, like, I'm... I try to keep an open mind, you know. I like I said, I like stuff like Afterlife with Archie, so I'm not opposed to like new interpretations of Archie. But I guess I guess what I've been trying to say tonight is like, you know, don't go too far. Like, don't don't go and like, you know, make it like the R-rated Archiness that that Archie versus Predator was. That you know, don't don't get into like the tawdry, I don't know, Gossip Girl like level of. You know what Riverdale is probably gonna be based on what we've seen and read. Like you know, I, I am open to like you know new interpretations of Archie. You know if you if you didn't try new things, like we probably still wouldn't have Archie comics. But the thing that makes Archie appealing is, you know, it's the characters. Like it, they are people you want to hang out with. Riverdale is a place you'd want to go to or maybe it reminds you of a place you grew up at and like i think you know like i think archie comics should kind of like remain that kind of comfort food but then you know bringing new life to it like like with 
what Adam Hughes did with this uh, Betty and Veronica comic. Like that's that's kind of the thing that I would like to see more of, as opposed to like just you know like Larry, like let's have Archie meet the aliens. It'll make a million dollars, Larry. Like I don't I don't want to see any more of that. Kind of thing. <laughs> Nettie versus Archie. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I, I think that wraps up our discussion on this week's fan holes. Comic books, motherfucker, do you read them? If you have any comments, questions, concerns, you can, of course, email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We're on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. Of course, we appreciate all the feedback we receive on the various social medias. We are on iTunes. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. We are on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, Pervin on Veronica Lodge when she changes in her lingerie, signing off. And this is Justin. Get over here. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Come on. Put on your lingerie. <laughs> Let's get going. Let's do it now. <laughs> the one thing I don't want to see is like a, a monthly uh, Alex Ross version of Archie. Because, man, scary. that one pinup was scary and creepy. Yeah. It's like Archie looked like he was going to murder me in my sleep <laughs> or some shit. <laughs> So, like, I'll be honest, and I'm going to, like, own up to this on the show, but, like, after issue two, I, I like, I labyrinth read everything because, like, <laughs> I, there, there was one thing in it that made me grumpy. So I just yeah, was no, like. No, I got you. I got you. I, I, I think I think it got progressively worse as, yeah. <laughs> as, as you kept reading it, you know. But I, I think I think probably you, you you get into that realm of like the 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 Hollywood Larrys where they're like, wait a minute, so you're telling me Nightcrawler's this blue guy and he's a mutant? Oh, well, what about the Beast? He's this blue guy and he's a mutant. Oh no, no, we can't have two blue guys on the same show. Like I could see them having that conversation where they're like, okay, so picture this: you got Cheryl Blossom and Jason Blossom, and they're like, you know, in the lake, and and okay, and they're redheads, okay, and it's like, well. Wait, so Jason Blossom is a redhead? Well, isn't Archie a redhead, too? Don't worry, don't worry. We're going to kill him <laughs> in the first episode. So it's no big deal, you know? And then they're like, they're like, oh, okay, okay. So that's fine. That's fine. Keep keep talking, keep talking. So, okay, so Jason's dead. And then you got the redheaded girl. And then, oh, by the way, like, Jughead likes to hang out with this folk singer. Her name is Josie. It's like, oh, Josie and the Pussycats? Like, the redheaded Josie? It's like, no, 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 don't worry. She's not going to be a redhead like Cheryl Blossom. She's going to be African-American, and she's going to be a folk singer. Okay. I Okay. All right. All right. So then that's fine. That's fine. Like, nobody will get confused. All right. There's not going to be two blue mutants in Riverdale. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Moving forward. You know, it's just like, all right. 
I, I can hear the Larrys now. They're like, Larry, you know why Apocalypse didn't make enough money? We had like five blue people, Larry. Like, <laughs> too many blue people. Like people were confused. <laughs> they were confused. They didn't know what's going on. The one blue person was choking the other blue person, <laughs> and they were surrounded by blue people. And then Metallica came on, and everybody was like, "What the fuck is going on?" 